0: Hey guys, we are back with another great podcast for you to check out and subscribe to. Hometown History is brought to you by Shane Waters and Nicholas Deneff. Hometown History shares little-known history from America's hometowns. Every king in America has been assassinated in the harbor of St. James, Michigan. Also, every king was born in the tiny town of Scipio, New York. And every king was married to five women. And every king has owned a personal canon and received a revelation from God. This episode is about the only king in American history, Jesse Strang, the king of Beaver Island, Michigan. Here's the first episode of this miniseries about the islands of Lake Michigan. Subscribe today and hear more episodes of this great podcast. Also, you can check out their website, itshometownhistory.com.
1: The rate of violent deaths for kings throughout European history has been roughly 20%. The rate of violent deaths in the history of American kings, 100%. Every king in our national history has died a violent death. The rate of murder among the kings of Europe, as opposed to battlefield deaths or bloody accidents, has been roughly 15%. North America, again 100% every American king has been murdered. Stranger yet, every king in American history has been assassinated in the harbor of St. James, Michigan, and also born in the tiny town of Sopio, New York, and married to five women. And every king has owned a personal cannon and received a revelation from God. Stranger yet, every king in American history has been strangled. Yes, you heard me right. James Jesse Strang, the only king in American history. James Strang was the self-coronated king of Beaver Island, the largest island in Lake Michigan, on the opposite side of the Michigan Straits from Mackinac Island, exponentially more famous and roughly 45 miles to the east. Mackinac is a delicate Victorian resort home to the governor's summer mansion Beaver Island, on the other hand, while ten times larger than its Lake Huron counterpart, is a relatively wild and remote place, with less than 700 inhabitants still today. But King String was not an opportunistic hillbilly, exploiting the wilds of northern Lake Michigan. He was a well-educated man. He was a scientist and a correspondent for the New York Tribune, He was even a member of the Michigan House of Representatives. His natural history of Beaver Island was published by the Smithsonian. But on the day of July 8, 1850, he held a wooden scepter and wore a ceremonial breastplate and, kneeling before a crowd of 300 in a tin crown decorated with a cluster of glass stars, he also became a king. And at least for that day, he looked the part donning a bright red flannel robe topped by a white collar with black speckles, the kind of robe you've probably seen in European royal portraits, with a touch of the Dalmatian coat of Cruella de Vil. Days earlier, an angry mob had gathered to kill the Mormon leader and scatter his followers from the island, but Strang was, as he tended to be, one step ahead. He had purchased and secretly brought to his Beaver Island compound an army cannon, and when the mob arrived, he promptly fired it over their heads. The shock and awe of that gesture brought him years of relative peace and was the perfect prelude to his coronation. It was a fantastic display of machismo and established his status as the island's alpha male, the B.M.O.B.I. Big Man on Beaver Island. Locals would continue their threats, but String was now the unchallenged leader of this remote territory. And to be clear, String claimed kingship only of his personal kingdom, of fellow Mormons. He was too smart to claim a fixed geographical territory in what would have been an effective secession from the American Union. Instead, his subjects would be dual citizens of the Kingdom of String and of the State of Michigan. Had he declared a territorial kingdom, the USS Michigan, the oldest iron gunboat in the world, would have shown up the following morning with more cannons than one, and in the violent impatience of that era, would have swiftly pounded the island into submission. But String was savvy, and so far from becoming an enemy of the United States government, he was about to become a member of it while king of Beaver Island. When word of this American king reached the American president, Millard Fillmore, Fillmore launched an investigation into String on grounds of treason and counterfeiting. But when String was brought to Detroit for prosecution, the actual outcome was something no one predicted, widespread popular exposure. The public loved him. Within a year, he was elected to the Michigan House of Representatives and completely flipped his public image. A major Detroit newspaper, the Detroit Advertiser, summarized this about-face in the popular narrative on February 10, 1853. Quote, Mr. String's course as a member of the present legislature has disarmed much of the prejudices which has previously surrounded him. Whatever may be said or thought of this peculiar sect of which he is the local head, I take pleasure in stating that throughout this session he has conducted himself with the decree of decorum and propriety, which have been equaled by his industry, good temper, apparent regard for the true interests of the people, and of the obligations of his official oath." Quote. While in office, String contributed to the organization of the Upper Lower Peninsula and was one of the few people at that time looking out for the interests of Native Americans. It was common practice to exploit alcoholism among Native peoples and to sell them diluted, contaminated liquor. This had devastating effects on Native communities, and String fought this practice both in his writings and from his legislative seat. As you might guess, this stance only added to a growing list of personal enemies. But most of String's enemies came from something a little more dubious, polygamy. After opposing the institution for most of his life, he eventually tired of the company of his one wife Mary, and added four more, including three teenagers, two of whom were cousins. But one does not simply walk into church one day, with an additional wife in tow beginning this intrepid lifestyle requires a fair amount of intrigue and conspiracy so his first next wife the first of his polygamy was his traveling secretary charlie j douglas who was not in fact a man named charlie but a 19 year old woman disguised as a man named elvira eliza field and for the most part the polygamist lifestyle was a winning proposition. The wives got along and ate together, and, at least on most nights, had their own bedrooms in the same house. But, as everyone knows, the indispensable trump card of any polygamist is a personal revelation from God. Once you've recorded this revelation, all you need for spiritual carte blanche is an above-average command of religious jargon and a compelling speaking voice along with, apparently, a decent sexual appetite, all of which String had. String's revelation was called the Book of the Law of the Lord, and this text still read and is revered today by surviving members of the Stringite sect of the Latter-day Saint movement. Yes, there are still Stringites, and they believe in the ritual power of animal sacrifice and baptism of the dead among other things. It was some of these theological views, along with his polygamy, that made his presence so unwelcome among the locals. But what enraged them most of all was his tendency to assert authority over those who were not members of his kingdom. He would at times treat Beaver Island as a territorial dominion, in spite of his insistence. It was only the temporary setting for the eternal kingdom of his revelation, all of which brings us to the docks of St. James Harbor on the quiet afternoon of June 1st, 1856, a Sunday. Two cowards among the many enemies of the Mormon King waited with pistols as he passed their place of concealment. Strang had, for many years, been warned of would-be assassins, but refused to employ bodyguards, and he lived to regret his stubbornness for twenty-three days, which is how long he laid paralyzed with a bullet in his spine. The other two bullets hit him in the head, one grazing him and the other lodging in his face. And the worst of it is, they shot him in the back. And as if to put an exclamation point on their case for being the biggest dirtbags in the state of Michigan, these two assassins, Alexander Wentworth and Thomas Bedford, proceeded to pistol-whip this bloodied and paralyzed man, who, for all his eccentricities, had been no threat and had done them no harm. What followed has been called by one Michigan historian the most disgraceful day in Michigan history. All 2,600 Mormons on Beaver Island were driven from their homes like cattle and forcibly boarded onto steamships before being dumped unceremoniously on docks all over the coastline of Lake Michigan. This entire kingdom became impoverished and homeless in one day. Their land was stolen, they were beaten, and their property was reduced to whatever they could carry with them. The city of St. James became deserted and tenantless, and today has little evidence of once being the seat of an American kingdom. String's body lies in a neglected grave in Burlington Cemetery in Burlington, Wisconsin. The rate of murder for European kings that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode amounted to 10 murders for every thousand years. The North American rate, thanks to the cruel machinations of Bedford, Wentworth, and their co-conspirators, is one murder every six years. That's how long Kingdom Strang lasted before the greed of his political enemies and the resentment of the locals brought him down. There are scattered memorials on the island still today that recall the reign of Strang for visitors to this remote Lake Michigan outpost. And the story of his kingdom and his sudden demise remains a singular drama in all the dramas of our national history. More singular but somehow less salacious than the place we're headed to next, High Island. A smaller island in the Beaver Island archipelago, four miles to the southwest. High Island is a fraction of the size of Beaver, but still has more than its fair share of intrigue and tragedy, as will other islands in this series.